0: You're listening to She Time Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, Becoming Tony Carey. Hi there thanks for tuning in to she time your me time destination featuring smart and fun conversations aimed at helping women to prioritize self-care i'm your host alexandra sampson wife mother career woman self-care advocate and founder of the she first project today's episode is bittersweet as it is the last episode of season two we'll take a self-care break and we'll return later in 2019 for season three So stay tuned for details regarding the launch date of the next season of She Time. In the interim, be sure that you follow the She First Project on social media and via the website at shefirstproject.org for launch details and other self-care nuggets. But the sweet part of today's episode is my conversation with today's guest, Tony Carey. Tony is a marketing and PR professional, branding specialist, fitness guru, speaker, and author. She's a freelance contributor for Self Magazine, and you may know her as the co-founder and former chief marketing officer for Black Girls Run. During this yummy episode, Tony and I discuss her transition from a career in PR and marketing to health and wellness, what it was like to start the Black Girls Run movement, and what it's been like transitioning BGR to new ownership, the importance of therapy, and what's next for her. So let's get right to it. I hope you have a beverage in hand, and I know Tony has one on deck. So Tony, tell our listeners what you're sipping on.
1: So I am actually drinking um, wild kombucha, and the flavor is apple spice. So Ooh. I've really tried to um, back off my alcohol intake, and this still kombucha still gives me like a little bit of a buzz. Maybe mm. it's in my head. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking
0: now. Wild kombucha, like, is that the brand or is that a type of kombucha?
1: Yeah, it's a brand. Um, It's out of Baltimore, so it's local. Ah, nice. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, I'm actually sipping on collagen coffee, um, which is typically how I start my day, but um, I didn't get a cup in earlier today, so I'm I'm having it now. And it's just basically street black coffee with a scoop of my collagen protein powder. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, It's kind of how I fuel my workouts generally and also get the day going.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to do, like, a side conversation about the collagen. Yeah, yeah, So you can educate me.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, we'll we'll do, we'll do. Okay, so I'm so excited to have you on the show. We have a mutual friend, but I feel like, you know, I've followed the Black Girls Run journey, and from there have just kind of taken an interest in you, just generally from social media and so forth. So I was like, I I kind of feel like you're my, like, girlfriend in my head. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, I actually get to chat chat with her in person today, but... um, (laughs) But I wanted to start if you could just talk a bit about like who you are and you know how you kind of come to be the Tony Carey that we know today.
1: Well, it was a cold day in 1983, (laughs) and I was born. Um, No, so my background has always been and professionally has been uh, public relations and marketing, and so um, I think like the woman that I am today is just an evolution of using my professional skills um, with things that I'm super passionate about. And I've always really been passionate about, I would say, like civil rights, especially like black people in civil rights. I read, Mm -hmm. you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X at a very early age. And um, I guess for all intents and purposes was super woke. My dad is very pro-black. Paired with this like, strange attraction to, not strange now because I understand it, but like strange attraction to books like The Secret or self-help books um, and sort of like this new age, uh, new age materials. And so I think that my interest um, in those things really manifested Black Girls Run. And, you know, with that journey, it just really opened my eyes and broadened my horizons to all the ways that I can use um, my creativity and my skills to make sure that not only black people are well and black women are well but people in general are well mm. and so I have just like gone down this rabbit hole um, when it comes to like self care and you know health and nutrition and food um, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to end up I'm trying to wrap it all in a bow pretty tightly but I think for me, it's just my journey has been about staying curious and seeing where that leads me.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about what prompted you to start Black, black Girls Run. And actually, before, maybe before getting there, what kind of prompted your interest in running?
1: Sure. So at the time, this was like 2006 ish, I think. And my... um sorority sister and business partner would soon to be my business partner Ashley started running and she would like tell me you know hey I just got back in from two miles and I was just like not with it I didn't understand it I was like Ashley that's so white I don't I just don't get it (laughs) so I was like the biggest Debbie Downer not what a friend should be by any means but I was just I just didn't get it and so like a year after following her journey, I could tell that she was just transforming from the inside out and I was in the midst of a breakup with um, a boyfriend was relocating across the country starting a new job and I really wanted that moment to be a moment where you know my life would uh, take a turn you know because I had experiencing low self-esteem and depression and and everything and so I became a vegetarian and I started running. Um, So I think it was just watching Ashley's journey and then really wanting something different for my life that um, galvanized me to, to take up running.
0: You know, I think it's interesting that you, you said your kind of first reaction was, that's so white. And um, I think that in some ways resonates with you because I've taken an interest in kind of health and wellness, more so as a maybe passion project or something that I really enjoy doing outside of my full time career. And I was actually talking to a girlfriend the other day and I was a gym that we both attend or participate in, you know, I was noticing there wasn't as many women of color that Mm -hmm. were there. And I was like, you know, what is it? You know, I was just trying to figure out like, why isn't it that there are more of us? I see more of us in the gym or even I see more of us on, you know, the fitness magazine covers or in, you know, the fitness videos or, or what have you. And I think it can in some ways give the impression that Either that that's not for us, but I i, th- I think that's interesting that you that, that was your reaction because that's some of the questions that I, I also ask is that why don't I see more women mm-hmm. of color as active in kind of the fitness community?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to that. I think that one, we're often kept out of those spaces, quite frankly. You know, when I think about running, I think of the days of Prefontaine, who was a really huge um, running figure, I think, was the first professional runner signed by Nike. And during that time, you just didn't see black people running recreationally. And you didn't see women running long distance because there were all these like different myths about how women's bodies couldn't hold up to the distance and that our uterus was going to fall out, which is what my mom told me when I told her I was going to start running. And so I think it was like, you know, that paired with, well, if I don't see myself participating participating in this sport or represented in this sport, it must not be for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think like so many times we sort of self-select um, ourselves out of different things because we don't see ourselves in those spaces or doing those certain things. And I think a race director told Ashley and I, um, very early on, he said, you don't realize that you've given black women permission to participate in this, story, in this sport. And I thought that that was so profound, um, you know. and I hadn't even really thought about it that way, that by us just showing up and being there, we were saying, hey, it's okay, To be black brown and a woman and be in this space yeah
0: i really like that and i think that's a good segue into um talking a bit about the black girls run movement because um i know for me personally i'm not um, really a runner um i kind of enjoy maybe more so strength training and boot camps but when i became aware of the black girls run movement i was Immediately interested in participating and learning more about it. Like, there was something about the movement that made me want to be a part of it, even though I knew that I don't really like running. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and I do. I, I think that it's it's been such a powerful force in um, just kind of the fitness community, and as you described, a- allowing women of color to see themselves represented represented in that area, and helping them to be encouraged and motivated to take an interest in and in doing that as a part of their overall health and, and well being. What would you say is maybe some of the biggest hurdles that women face in maybe practicing kind of physical self-care, you know, as you kind of orchestrated that movement for so long?
1: I think one of the biggest barriers um, for women in general is just time, right? We're usually just so busy taking care of other people and the kids and husband and work that we are often the, the last person on the list. So I think time is a huge factor. But I think something else that we realize and that I'm coming to see even more so after, um, after transitioning out of Black Girls Run is that um, wh- black women are constantly being told they're not good enough, they're not pretty enough, they're not fit enough, enough, they're not small enough. You know, all these things that, you know, add up to them not being enough. And so I think that that really plays with your psyche and your mental health to where when you're thinking about being physically active, it's not even registering on your radar because you're just thinking, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so I think what Black Girls Run was able to do, yes, we got Black women thinking about their health in a way that they hadn't before, but I think we created this really beautiful, safe, space and community where someone was finally saying you are perfect just the way that you are like show up as you are you don't I I used to hear so many women say well once I lose 10 pounds I'm gonna go I'm gonna come out and run with you and I would just laugh like no I want you to come out and join us now like I don't care how long it takes you I'm gonna be waiting for you at the end um you're you're good enough just the way you are right at this moment
0: and I think that's so true. I think we do that in so many areas of our lives where, well, once I accomplish or reach this maybe initial milestone, then I will go and do, you know, X or Y <laughs> and um, and not really just taking the plunge in, yeah, in many ways.
1: I think, and, and just to add on to that, if I had to name a third thing that maybe prohibits Black women um, from working out and this isn't because I think it used to be more of an excuse in 2009 when we got started, but hair. I I, knew
0: it was coming. (laughs) I knew it was hair.
1: (laughs) I've had so many conversations about hair. It's not funny, but I think, um, you know, I'm just so grateful for the natural hair movement because it was like right around the same time that we had launched black girls run. So I think black women were sort of rethinking you know, what does hair really mean? And like, why am I so attached to it, et cetera? And so now my thing is like, listen, nobody's gonna care about your hair when you're laying dead in a casket. Right.
0: Nobody cares. Right.
1: So, you know, you can't let hair be uh, the barrier by any means.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, hair is, you know, so I went natural, gosh, maybe seven years ago. And I'll tell you, even as a natural, you know, having natural hair, I still am concerned about, okay, what am I going to do with my hair? How can I prep it so that I can work out and then go to work and, you know, everything kind of look presentable and it not take hours to, you know, kind of to do it. And so I do think that that's something that tends to be a barrier. And I think we, you know, continue to have to find creative ways to, oh, <laughs> to make it less, girl, of, less of one. Okay.
1: <laughs> Tell me about it. I After we get done chatting, I have to start my two-out, two-three-hour hair ritual uh, to get ready for the week.
0: Yes, yes. You know, one of the things I, I really admired about the Black Girls Run movement is the sense of camaraderie and community that, that was fostered, and I think that's been such a big part of that movement. Um, are there any success stories that you might be able to share of women who participated in the movement have found that sense of community and have, have has used that to motivate their own personal health and wellness journeys
1: oh man there are so many um you know what's been really cool to watch is people women form these relationships and some have never ever met in person before, mm. or they live, you know, across the country from each other, um, and consider each other to be really, really good friends. So I think, like, that's been really amazing to watch. It's been amazing to see um, women come together and rally around sisters who might be in need. I remember running into a member um, in Atlanta. I was just like popping in somewhere to to grab something to eat and she stopped me and just thanked me profusely for Black Girls Run and and shared that she had moved to Atlanta about a year ago to take care of her daughter who had breast cancer Mm. and um, her um, daughter ended up not surviving. And she said that Black Girls Run was like the only thing that has really helped her in her grieving process and has really helped her get to a better place and and reconciling her daughter's death. And I think that that, for me, is more impactful than any weight loss story um, or anything because this is probably the worst thing that's going to happen to this woman. And she thanked, you know, something that... um, I helped create as as part of her her uh, way of, of healing, really. Um, so, you know, the, the relationships and the bonds, bonds that have been formed because of Black Girls Run have just been amazing and tremendous. And, and definitely not to take away from the success stories and weight losses and, you know, women not having to take medication and be able to have a better quality of life. I mean... Honestly, I just um am still in awe of how much Black Girls Run has been able to to be such a huge part of people's lives.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important that um I think a lot of times sometimes the initial interest in running or any other fitness kind of type of activity can be for maybe the physical or kind of, you know, um maybe benefits from it. But I think once so many people get involved in having a regular fitness routine that they find that there's so many other non-physical benefits that come from it, whether it's emotional or community support, you know, it ends up being therapeutic in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. that, and I, I love that that story being one where someone really was able to to take away something that allowed them to really process a really difficult time in a way that wasn't as difficult because of the fitness community that they'd found. So, yeah,
1: there's something I've had this conversation with runners and there's something about running that, you know, you're out, you can be out on the pavement for hours with people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can either be in your head or strike up a conversation. And I think it's like um, that paired with the endorphins and everything else that's happening chemically in your body, that it brings, um, this sense of vulnerability to people and I think they people are more vulnerable than they would be if they weren't if they weren't running it's really strange right. and I've experienced this on my own but I think running does make people more vulnerable and you're able to form those connections and have some pretty deep conversations out there on the pavement
0: yeah so we've talked quite a bit about black girls run and mm-hmm. um, I know that earlier this year you and Ashley transitioned um, ownership of Black Girls Run and so you are now founder emeritus of, um, of the company. And I, I wanted to talk a bit about what that transition was like for you because I know, um, I'm sure there was certainly, there, there is certainly a very deep connection with, with the movement and something that you've started. I just, and I was just curious, what was that like?
1: Yeah, well, you got to witness it firsthand because <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to schedule this uh, chat a really, really long time ago. You know, it was it was definitely time. Um, there's so many. I have so many emotions and feelings about it. I think again, it was definitely time, but also this was this is my baby. Mm-hmm. This is my baby that's been with me for seven years. Um, it's the longest job I've ever had in my life. Um, I developed it with someone who I, you know, deeply cared about and um, was really, really good friends with. And so I, I definitely had to grieve and um, definitely had to talk it out with my therapist and, 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 really, um, be okay with every, all the emotions that I was feeling, you know, it's, it's definitely like having a kid go off to college. You are so proud, um, and excited, but also so sad because, you know, maybe there were things that you could have done differently, or maybe there was more things for you to teach them. Um, but I think I'm finally getting to a point where I'm at peace. Um, my identity was certainly um tied up in in black girl's run and so like working through that has been really interesting um and then figuring out what i want to do next you know i remember having conversations with my therapist like is this it i'm 30, 30 34 i can't like this can't be the the um the top of what i do right, with my right. um so it's been really, really challenging for sure, but also I don't think I would have it any other way.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And um, you know, I I wondered for you, I was like, wow, you know, that is, black girls are such a huge thing that it's kind of one of those things like, what do you do next, you know? (laughs) Like, what is she gonna do next, you know? I don't know. (laughs) 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 But I think at the same time, I think that that experience has I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons from it. I'm sure that it has given you exposure to a lot of things and that it's giving you the tools to move on, to do something really great next. You know, it's that it's that feeling of, okay, that was really huge. But that just means that there's something bigger that's in store in my next chapter, you know.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um you know, even up to the very end when, like, I'm signing papers and everything, I always just felt like there was more, at least personally, for me to do. And so, um, you know, after everything was said and done, I was like, there absolutely can still be things for me to do, and that's fine. Like, maybe it's not under Black Girls Run, and that's totally cool. So I think um, a good leader knows when they've, they've reached the end of their leadership Mm. because at some point you start to handicap the organization or the company. Um, And so, yeah, I've learned, I mean, black girls run has given me a lot of gifts. A lot of the, the best gifts that it's given me are just the like most challenging times and like those really intense periods of growth. Like you can't, you can't buy that. You can't read about it. You can't, experience that in an organization, like, um, it definitely has taught me a lot about uh, myself in that process.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure that you are still taking time to discover what's next. But do you have a sense for what's next? Are there any new ventures that you can share with us? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I do have a sense. Um, I
1: I have really been digging deep into yoga probably about two or three years now. It's become a huge part of my life. I just recently started teaching at um, Yoga Works here in Washington, D.C. I'm starting my 500 hour training. And so um, I think, you know, when I think about what I want to do next, it's all about helping. People be well, specifically Black and Brown men and women, um, and creating safe spaces for them. Um, whether that's something that's online or something that has a physical presence, um, I'm still sort of exploring. But you know, I think that Black Girls Run, um, you know, it just taught me that again. Like, and especially in this political climate, there's so much happening. And I've had my own experiences of microaggressions and racism and, and trying to figure it out on my own. You know, it's, it is really hard yeah. being a black woman mm-hmm. in this country. Um, and not everyone gets that. And so I think if I can at least, at least let um, give black women a space and just let them know that they're not alone to me, that's like where my work continues.
0: yeah well i I know I'm certainly looking forward to see you know what the next chapter looks like for for you and um, how it continues. I think to, to certainly benefit um, you know those of us who follow you, so <laughs> this is a little bit selfish in a sense, you're like oh. Oh, well, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, one thing I wanted to talk about because I follow you on Instagram, and um, one of the things I love is that you're always posting things that are really encouraging or thought provoking. And just a few days ago, you put up a post about a conversation or interaction you had with your Uber driver, <laughs> and, yes. uh, which I can relate to. Cause I really have, I've had some great conversations with my, my Uber drivers. Like I've, I've learned about like good restaurants and where to live, don't live and some other things. But this one actually was, I thought was really interesting. And, and one of the things that you captured in the post that came out of that conversation was, um, and I'm going to quote from the post is that everything you ever want is on the other side of fear. Fear and discomfort is where the magic happens. And I thought that was just so nicely worded. And I wanted to know if you could share with us some of the fears that you've had to overcome and and what magic have you discovered as a result?
1: Yeah, first of all, I have to say that this was this was one of those experiences where I so even before I ordered the Uber I was like going back and forth like am I going to take Uber or should I just take the train I like sat there for 5 minutes debating on whether or not to take Uber and so I finally was like I'll just take Uber cuz it'll be quicker for me to get home and so I get in the car and I usually try to like you know just power down and like I don't really want to talk
0: to you <laughs> You're decompressing. Like, I'm leaving one thing. I'm right. going to the other. This is kind of my, my moment to kind of. Yeah. yeah,
1: I had just finished teaching yoga. So I just wanted, like, some space. And so he asked me how everything was going. And I was like, uh, you know, it could be worse. And he was like, oh, that's an interesting uh, <laughs> response. And I was like, well, you know. And then he just, like, went in. And it was to the point where I was like, thank you. God, because I know you sent him to me at this moment to give me a message. And so, yeah, he was just talking about like how boredom is a sign of needing to do something different and, you know, whatever, whatever fears you have, you need to just gravitate toward that. Don't resist it. And so when I think about my own fears, you know, a lot of my fears around, um, I have a lot of fears around failure. You know, even with creating something else, there's this really big wall up um, because I don't know if I can create something as successful as Black Girls Run was. You know, I don't know. Another one that I've had, um, you know, people who are intuitive or psychic tell me is that I have this block around me where I feel like I can't make money from doing something more creative or in the arts. And so um, it has just been acknowledging that they're there, and then each day just coming up to the wall as close as I can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, some, sometimes I can see the wall just disintegrate a little bit. Sometimes I gotta walk away. I just can't do it. Um, and so I think the thing with fear is not to be shamed by it, um, it's okay, everyone has fears. But to know that if you really want to have a breakthrough and you really want to live your life's purpose, you got to work through it. Now, I do believe the universe will support you in that. It may take five years to break through that fear, it may take 20 years. That depends on you and how much work you're willing to do. But I think ultimately, um, everyone has the potential to break through those fears. It's just you got to put it in the work you got to put in the work. And, and the work is being really, really uncomfortable and being okay with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me personally, um, just the fear of failure is probably one of the biggest things that I struggle with. And I think one of the things that I'm learning to appreciate about that that kind of feeling that you get in, perhaps in the pit of your stomach when you're thinking about something that you're really afraid to fail at is, is perhaps a little bit of comfort in knowing that that thing is big, you know, that, um, that it, it means that that's important work. That means it's something that you take seriously. There's some really good things about being fearful about stepping into something or doing something. Um, because if you didn't feel that, then it probably means that it was maybe too small, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. There's someone told me, um, I think it was my therapist. She says all the times that feelings aren't facts. Mm-hmm. Just because you feel fear or uh, jealousy or whatever the, the emotion is, it's just giving you more information. So I love that, that when you do feel that like nausea <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs>
1: when you're considering something. That just means that that's the thing you're supposed to
0: go for. Yeah. So I have to ask because you've mentioned your therapist a couple of times and I'm, yes. I'm a huge proponent of talking about therapy because I, I think it's something that is not talked about enough. Um, yes. And so I, I would love to know And one. I, I want to ask more broadly, what are some things that you incorporate in your personal self-care routine? But if you could also talk a bit about how you use therapy as a part of that.
1: Yeah. So um, with teaching yoga, obviously I, I try to hit the mat a few couple a few times um, during the week and then also do meditation, you know, continuing to exercise, you know, Eating healthy is actually a form of self care. Mm -hmm. So, lots of fruits, vegetables, water, et cetera. Um, Doing things that I enjoy doing. One of the things that I love doing, and my husband hates it, is binge watching like really bad TV. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But to me, it's like it gives me a little bit of an escape. I don't have to think about it. Um, that and sleeping, I love sleeping. So as much as I can do those things, I try to, but my therapist, oh my God, she's been <laughs> a godsend. She actually just came back from maternity leave. So I get to see her Thursday, which I'm really excited about. Um, she is a different type of therapist. I've never experienced a, th- a therapist like her before. She is a, uh, African American woman and she has has no qualms about telling me how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she definitely keeps it real with me, and I feel like I can open up to her. Um, And it's just been... The thing I love about therapists, they aren't there to fix your problems. That's not what it's about. They are there to help facilitate you working through your problems Mm -hmm. and validating things that you might... Or not validating things that you might be feeling to help just dig deeper. You can't, some of this stuff, you just can't dig deep on your own. You need someone else to help you work through it. Um, And so I recommend every, every black woman, if there's one, if you want to indulge on yourself, like go get a therapist. Um, It is just so important to have that outlet to talk just to talk about these things, because internalizing it will make you sick, quite frankly, yeah. um, and so, yes, go get a therapist today <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's such an Im- important thing, and then um, as I've talked to more women and especially more women through this this forum the she time, um, just hearing more and more women talk about how having a therapist is just a part of how they take care of themselves. And I just love talking about that because I know that there's such a stigma around it, I think especially in the African-American community. Um, I was talking mm-hmm. to a family member um, who who is experiencing some really challenging issues and has been for a while, and I recommended that they go see a therapist. And their first comment was, um, but I, I'm in my right mind. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it, so I think there's this stigma. Yeah, and and like, so I want more people to know, know that... A therapist is there from when you need to work through something that's really challenging and you need help yes. doing that, that, yes. you know, bottling it in or just trying to push it down is not is not going to be the way to, you know, in a, in a healthy way resolve it. So, yeah.
1: you know, if you broke your arm, you wouldn't go in your bathroom and try to, right, you right. know, <laughs> yourself up like you would go to a doctor. And I feel like we need to start thinking about, um, therapy and mental health in that way like there's nothing wrong with saying that you need help like it's fine mm. and I, I feel like there's such a um high suicide rate lately like please if you need help if you need to talk with anyone like there's plenty of resources out there do not suffer in silence yeah do not have to suffer in silence
0: yeah and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of even if you don't think that there is anything wrong, just go for like a wellness. You know, we go yes. for annual wellness exams, you know, in the same way, have annual mental health wellness, you know, visit just once a year. Let's just sit down and chat, you know. Um, yes.
1: Yeah. It's funny because there's been like a few times where I've gone to the therapist and. I didn't feel like I had anything to talk about. And then we, we open up a whole right, box. Right.
0: <laughs> you're like, oh, I, I didn't stopped. even know that was, that was there. Exactly. <laughs> I guess I did need to unpack that, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was fine. <laughs> so um, what's one aspect of your life that you, you would say you're fine-tuning?
1: Oh, Um Uh, This is heavy. Let's see. (laughs) Having run a business and, like, been an entrepreneur and literally running um, and not taking the best, uh, ironically not taking the best care of myself, I think I'm just in a moment where I'm really trying to heal myself, like, Mm -hmm. both emotionally and physically. Um, For me, that's been, like, addressing some food allergies that I have, Um, addressing like what my body really needs to sustain itself, you know, um, and actually backing off of running quite a bit until I figure some other things out. So I think for me, it's just kind of slowing down in a way and being okay with uh, to your point, like not necessarily um, knowing what the next thing is and, and just being fine with that for for right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that I think is difficult For um, so many people, and I think especially high achieving people that just to be still, like it's okay to take a break (laughs) or a moment. Uh, It's okay to not be doing anything right now or to not necessarily have clearly defined goals and to know what you're working on next. And I think it's in that there's a little bit of uncomfortability in being still or pausing for a moment. But I think when we do it, it, it's in that place where we find clarity about what's next, you know?
1: Yes, it has been one of the most painful experiences. <laughs> I mean, it really has, and it sounds so silly, but um, like just being still and really uh, listening to things your gut is telling you. Okay, here's the thing I do believe that the universe, God, whatever you call it, um, sends you signs and messages each and every day. And oftentimes we're just so busy just caught up in what we're doing or thinking about the future 10 years ahead or whatever, that we miss a lot of stuff. So those moments of quietness and stillness are so important, um, hard, but so, so important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So as we wrap, I have to ask this question. Um, this season of she time is themed becoming. And so, um, I'd like for you to finish this sentence. Okay. So it's, Tony Carey is becoming fill in the blank. Ooh, okay. Tony Carey
1: is becoming the woman she is meant to be.
0: Mm. I love it. Simple yet powerful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I would, I would chat for longer, but, um, you know, I know that we both have. (laughs) Yes routine self-care routines to attend to, I to, to. yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> but before we um uh, before we part can you tell our listeners where they can find you
1: sure you can check me out um my website is tony t-o-n-i carrie dot com, or you can find me on instagram um, and twitter at tony underscore carrie
0: Perfect. Well, thanks so much for, um, for joining us for the episode today, and we'll continue to follow you and, and all that you're doing. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into She Time. Be sure to visit SheFirstProject.org/podcast to access the show notes for today's episode. Also, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And sharing is caring so feel free to share this episode with a friend. I love connecting with our listeners and members of the She First Tribe so be sure to like and follow the She First Project on Facebook Twitter and Instagram by searching She First Project. And if you have any suggestions for topics or guests you'd like to see featured on the show, please reach out to us at admin, A-D-M-I-N at shefirstproject.org Well, I can't wait for you to join me back here next week for another episode of She Time. Until then, take care.